show um after a brief hiatus um as always how's it going grab hey i'm doing good buddy right on buddy good to be back in the igloo yeah it's nice you've done a good job of it in here yeah we kind of redecorated we put up some of our uh, ornaments that jared sent us and rpj and uh kind of getting our studio where we want it yeah it's pretty cool gets a little closer all the time and you've got a new member of the family yeah, that's the big news. We have a new Grimerican, uh, Cassandra <laughs> Jane, uh, born last last Monday, October 28th. Cassie? What? Cassie? No, for no. short? No. No. Um, so, yeah, that's good. Mom and baby are both healthy, and we're happy, and uh, it's good stuff. Congratulations. Thanks, buddy. So, hey, I saw Ender's Game on the weekend. I couldn't resist. You know what I almost watched last night, actually, is... Uh, uh, what's it called? Dark Skies, maybe. Oh yeah, that's really that that uh, TV series. No, from Bryce Zabel. No, it was a movie. Maybe it wasn't called Dark Skies. Fuck. Yeah, I don't know, but you it's should. Like a uh, horror movie about abduction. Anyway, I don't oh, think it's based yeah, yeah. on a true yeah, story. Yeah, no, I think you're right. It might be called Dark Skies. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I almost watched it last night anyway, but instead I ended up watching Star Trek again. So I hate to rave on about Ender's Game, but because it was one of my all-time favorite audiobooks, the sci-fi, I had Is to that the one that was like 40 hours? No, 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 no. That was a fantasy one. Okay. <laughs> Ender's Game isn't fantasy? No, Ender's Game sci- sci-fi um, by Orson Scott Card. He did the original book. So the movie was pretty cool. Um, the, uh, spoiler alert, though, if anybody hasn't seen it yet. No spoiler alerts. Just spoil it. <clears throat> the only thing that I would have... Changed. We, that's your thing. No spoiler alerts. We just ruin shit for people. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Nice. It's not very spiritual of you, Darren. What? We're just take it easy, grub. <laughs> so the only thing I didn't like about it is uh, there's this part in the book where a main part of the book seemed to be Ender and um, his battle training with his group of kids and stuff like that. And they do this, uh, like these games, like they're always playing these battle games against each other. And there didn't seem to be a lot of that in the movie. Like they only showed like one or two of them. Like Hunger Games shit? Kind of. They missed the strategy of the whole thing. It's like this futuristic game in zero gravity and they have to like learn all these techniques to beat the opponent. Hmm. Yeah, I can't say I've ever gotten into or even really heard of Ender's Game. Anyways, cool movie. Maybe I'll check it out. Yeah, if you want to listen to the audiobook, go to Amazon. No, 
Go to Audible. Amazon. <laughs> Audible. Yeah. No. Go to actually go to audibletrial.com slash Grimerica. Get it for free. And uh stick around and support the show and uh Yeah, I might get a little tiny piece of yeah, that. Yeah, we'll get we'll have, we'll probably owe them money actually. Yeah. I think we owe a couple cents for every every time someone signs up, but hey, we're just helping you out. <laughs> And of course, there's always our uh, our Amazon links as well. Actually, I was looking earlier, and I f- I found something. Maybe we should get for the igloo here, Graham. Okay, what is it? It's a, a Rubbermaid commercial stainless steel thirty gallon step on trash can. So just your regular little kitchen sized trash can. It's like maybe two feet by two feet by you know two and a half feet high. Just What's, not not even a full size. What's so different about that $418 what yes and it's on sale like we're saving $191 so it's regular $609.62 I don't see what your point is about this trash can well I'm just wondering why it's so expensive oh really but we'd get a few dollars from that so if any of you motherfuckers need a trash can oh I see this one I see what you're doing 400 bucks what's 400 bucks for a garbage can nothing and we get like a really small percentage of that yeah we get like three percent if you go to grimerica.ca and click on amazon to buy your outrageously expensive trash can yep exactly and then if you buy that uh if you prefer we can uh we can maybe get the grimerica logo on there or something for you (laughs) um but yeah go to the website we got the links for um um Canadian customers and uh, I think .com is everywhere else I'm assuming like I, no, think so. I know like the UK would have their own we don't have a link for that maybe we should I don't know it's like you can't just have all Amazon links yeah I, think I wonder that, if it is a different one for every country no I think .com covers uh, a lot of it holy shit plus 207.94 shipping what is it made out of again stainless steel Wow. So that would be cool if we had our Grimerica logo on there, because then every time somebody chucks something in the garbage, you'd see Grimerica. Oh, you want to put it at the bottom of the trash can? I was thinking, like, on the front. (laughs) (laughs) So we're always in the trash. Yeah. But, yeah, like like we say, if you're you're buying anything on Amazon, you might as well go through the site and, uh, and, and help us along, help us pay the bills, as it were. Um, I suppose that's enough of commercials. Yeah, because that's all it is. It's just bills, right? We're just we just cut. We want to cover our costs. Eh? We're not really wanting to make money or anything like that. Oh yeah, we're not making any money. Don't worry about that. Um, but speaking of the website, I finally uh, got off my ass last weekend and put together the mobile site. It actually, you know what? It took me like I think less than two hours. Yeah, that's good, man. You did a good job on it. Yeah, well, I was just pissing around, and I realized that like with the uh, iPage. Um, it came with a mobile site developer, and I've just never taken the time to actually put it together. But the website itself looks better, too. I don't know if you changed anything on that. No, I didn't change anything. Oh, really? No. Oh. Okay, well. Thanks, so. Yeah. <laughs> but no, the mo- well, the website should be loading faster. I yeah, changed it, some it cache settings yeah. and shit like that, so it's uh, it should help the load problems we were having. 
And then, uh, like, we were getting a lot of people saying that they couldn't even load the website on their mobile device before it would, like, yeah, load up and end up just crashing because yeah. it was just too much. But the new mobile site seems to be pretty sleek and quick, and it's not as flashy, but uh, it seems to work. Um, I still think I need – there's a bit of work to be done still to the page with the bloggers and stuff like that. I, I just don't like the way some of it links, but uh, – It'll all get worked out in the end. Um, as always, uh, we want to give a, a little bit of love to our bloggers, of course. We've got, uh, oh, I think almost half a dozen of them now. Uh, it's great if you guys take the time to go over and, and read their blogs over at the website. Uh, they take the time to write them, and, and they're all uh, they're all really good. I've uh, been really impressed so far. And, of course, we've got a new blogger joining the pack uh uh, this week is Jared Drake. You guys know him as our Kiwi ambassador. He's been on uh, on the show before, but he's uh, he's you know he's started blogging for us now, and he'll be on the site under uh, from down under. Are we a pack? Uh, Can we be a herd? I think we're a tribe or a murder. A murder a of crows. Crows. Yeah. A murder of Americans. <laughs> That's not good. No. Plus, uh, that might like put us on the radar as like a fucked up cult or something. Yeah, exactly. Let's just be a, let's a pack. Just be, let's just be, let's just pack be. of wolves because wolves are pretty, pretty cool. Wolves are pretty cool. You heard it here first. Oh yeah, so now we're going to have two Jareds blogging for us because of course we've got Jared Drake. Uh, he's posted, he just posted one last week. Uh, you guys should go and check that out and uh, Sheila, she posted one for us. Um, another one about dreams not too long ago. That's really good. You guys should uh, head on over and check that out. So now, of course, we'll have two Jareds blogging for us. Welcome, Jared. Yep, Jared and Jared. So maybe we could, like, pit them in a fight to the death or something. Maybe that's, Or maybe we could have them on uh, for a segment. Yeah, that'd be cool. Ask Jareds. Ask Jareds. <laughs> I'll have a Jared sandwich. Whoa. I, I, I want to talk to Jared in New Zealand about about uh, friends of mine from like 23 years ago that used to live in New Zealand, and I can't track him down on the internet, so I want his help sleuthing down old friends that saw UFO sighting with me. There you go. Actually, my wife, uh, she knows uh, in a group of wife friends here, and uh, or mom friends, I guess. They all get together for birthday parties and stuff like that. But anyway, they have this nanny from New Zealand they all share, and She's been trying to hook Jared up with this nanny. <laughs> really? So she, well, not really. She, she, I guess she's just been talking about Jared to him. So, like, hook, she's selling help, Jared to this nanny for to look season. after his kids or to like hook hook, hook up. up. I guess wow. I don't even know if Jared's single, but <laughs> anyway, my wife's uh, up to bat for you, Jared. So here we are at Grimerica, getting people together, changing lives, <laughs> turning your world upside down. Yeah, remember when that was our slogan? I thought it still was. No, well, it doesn't say it anywhere anymore. Well, we should. We have to make a slogan so when we do a T-shirt, we can put it on the back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If anybody has any ideas for slogans, just Twitter Darren or logos. Yeah, logos. It'd be good to get a logo going too. Well, we should just use our 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 uh, Maori. The the logos always just the Maori. Maybe we should just get RPJ to draw us up just a little Maori logo because. That thing, like when you shrink it down to logo size, how it usually oh. shows up on the computer, it's so small, it's like too small to really make out. Mm. You know, like the list, this little thing that shows up up here, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. 
So anyways, what else we got to talk about here? We've got uh, Chase Klotsky on this episode, um, ufologist. I listened to her years ago. She was uh, on the MUFON, or manager of the MUFON star team. And uh, yeah, all kinds of uh, paranormal investigation and ghost hunting. And she's got her own show on KGRA called uh, Project White Papers. Hey, Darren, that's uh, going to be... Uh, a fantastic interview. Yeah, yeah, it'll be great. And uh, I don't think there's much else. I mean, we've been pretty busy, so I haven't had time to, like, really read anything new. I don't really have much to bring to the table this week other than my uh, new baby, so. Yeah, well, that's quite a bit to bring yeah, to the exactly. table, buddy. That's a lot. That's a it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work I did being per- having a pregnant wife for nine months. Apparently, your genes actually get activated when you have kids, eh? Like, you're actually physically changing. Really? Yeah, no comment. <laughs> I am. I get less sleep. <laughs> yeah. No, it's Maybe great. I, I, would, I, uh, I wouldn't uh, trade having kids for anything in the world. It's been uh, great. I think uh, this will be the last one. Two's good. Yeah, two's good. Two's good. So did you, didn't you have some uh, Halloween stories for us? I guess this is our Halloween episode. So, Yeah, I met uh, Jim Harold at the Paradigm Symposium. I, uh, I actually helped him carry his box of books up, um, and he gave me one. He gave me his true ghost stories. You think he could say G- box of books five times fast? Box of books, yeah. Let's see you do it. Box of books, box of books, box of books, box of books, box of books. Pretty good. You'll okay. have to edit that out, please. I thought, oh, that's good stuff. Jim Harold's uh, Campfire 2 is the name of the book, and it's 70 spooky stories that will keep you up at night. So, um, yeah, I met Jim. He's got a he's got a podcast. You want to talk about his uh, his website and his podcast a bit? Yeah, Jim Harold. Well, he's actually got, I think he's got two podcasts, right? He's got his paranormal podcast, and he's got his uh, Jim Harold's Campfire, which is all kind of spooky stories and stuff like that. Uh, the site's jimherald.com. It's at Jim Harold on Twitter. Um, actually, I think we'll probably have Jim on the show so- sooner than later, I'd imagine. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. And, uh, of course, the book, you can buy it right off his site. It's uh, True Ghost Stories, Jim Harold's Campfire 2. Um, I haven't read the first one but or the second one, but uh, I guess you're going to give us a little preview here, Graham. Yeah, so- do you mind if I read a little, little story? Uh, in no. the spirit of Halloween, which is um, already passed, unfortunately. Yes. Okay, this is, this is uh, called The Little Girl Who Saw the Future. It's not long, so bear with me. So our Aunt Jewel lives out of state, and she always comes to see us. This story revolves around one such visit when I was a child about six or seven years of age. After Aunt Jewel's stay, she would always drive back home. It's a long trip from central Montana down to central Wyoming. We often worry about her safety. Keep in mind that she has two dogs traveling with her at the time, and it comes to play later in the story. I was outside playing with my siblings after she left. It was later in the day, but it was really bright out with a lot of sunshine and warmth. I remember this very clearly. While playing, I had a feeling, a type of concern or worry. I don't even remember what form it took, if I heard something or saw something or anything. From outside through the screen door, I heard the phone ringing, and I ran into the house, and I called my dad's name. I said, Dad, that's Grandma on the phone, and she's going to tell you that Aunt Jewel got in a car wreck, but she's fine. My dad had the phone in his hand by this time, and he answers it. Sure enough, it was my grandmother, and she told him exactly that. My Aunt Jewel had been in a wreck, but she was fine. 
Here's where the two dogs that I mentioned are involved, and this is very weird. One is a Siberian Husky, and I think the other was some kind of setter. They would each ride in the car with her and sat in the same spot every single time. They would only ride in those spots. Well, this time, when she was driving back, the Husky got in the other spot and would not let the setter in there. Would not. Growled and bit at him and would not let him sit there. Well, when the car wreck happened, the Husky died and the setter didn't. My aunt thought maybe the Husky knew that something was going to happen. It was great that Aunt Jewel was fine, but it's a weird story. I remember this. My dad and the, my whole family remembers it too. So it really happened. So she's psychic and the dog is psychic? Yeah. Well, the dog, the dog, just, knew, the dog get, knew something was going to happen. Did and we he just want- get double psychic? But didn't she say she knew what the phone call was coming before it yeah, came? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a psychic story about a psychic dog. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Don't you think that's crazy that the dog actually, like, sacrificed himself for the other dog? No. No? Dog, that's why, like I told you, my dog will die by my side if I died on my living room floor and I was alone and left alone. Tyson would just curl up and die beside me. Your cat would just eat you. He almost he almost. See that? If that was I'm two living. cats? He almost does when I'm living. <laughs> if that was two cats? Buddy would have been like, fuck you. He's been jumping on me lately. He climbed up my back the other day, my cat. Like, I was standing, and he jumped on my back and climbed up it on my shoulders. So, yeah, he's he's almost there. That wasn't scary, though. The story? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. Well, I'm trying to pick short ones. Okay, here's another one. This one's called Out of Body, Out of This World. I was about 16 years old. One night I was summoned out of my body by a sound. I would say that the sound was more like a low energy hum, maybe like a feeling of a sound rather than the hearing of it. It was like the feeling you get when you're close to a power plant, energy that's in the ground and in the air. So I got up and I distinctly remember looking at myself sleeping. I was outside of my body yet able to see it. I stepped through the wall and out onto a second story porch. I looked back across the roof line of the house to a light there was the origin of the sound that I felt, not heard. A, mes- a message that I interpreted as, come, or we have something for you. Then I felt this tugging and pulling at my chest, like the energy, like my energy body. I didn't trust this light, so I thought, show yourself, who are you, or what do you want? I started screaming, or saying in my head, no, no, no. I've been told I can be headstrong. So I was put back in my physical body, the pulling stopped, and the experience ended. This is as clear to me today as it was the night it happened, and this was quite a while ago. When I tell the story, a lot of people ask if it was a UFO, and if it was an attempted astral abduction. If they abduct you in your astral state while you're sleeping, rather than in our physical state, well, let's just say, I hope it wasn't the light. The light. (laughs) So the light's evil? That wasn't very scary either. No, that wasn't. You're terrible at picking scary stories for Halloween. <laughs> I so guess I should. Next year, I'll pick the scary. Okay, Halloween you story. pick the scary stories. So uh, we'll we'll give you guys a minute to uh, to calm collect down. yourselves and <laughs> calm down after that frightening fucking epidemic. <laughs> Anyways, this story this this book is packed with with uh, spooky stories that will keep you up at night. I hope Jim. 
doesn't mind. <laughs> no, it's great. It's pl- any hey, any press is good press. <laughs> um, I think that's about it, though. That should about wrap it up. We got a great interview with Chase coming up here. You guys should enjoy. Um, next week, I think we'll bring RPJ back. Seems like it's been a while. Like he was on the Paradigm episode, and he was on one before that. But it seems like it's been a while since. Uh, yeah, too long. We got to get since him back. he's been on for a regular segment, so we got to get him on and uh, and uh, and get him on a little more often. And he's a big hit, so um, I think that's really about it. All right, buddy. You got anything else? I suppose we'll, uh, we'll see, see you on you the guys. other side. See you on the other side. Okay, guys, here in Grimerica tonight, we're going to be talking with uh, Chase Kletsky. She's got a, a show over on KGR Radio and, and a past uh, in pretty well everything paranormal. Uh, but first, as always, is Graham. How's it going, Graham? Hey, good, Darren. Good to be here. Doing a little Halloween episode tonight with Chase Kletsky. Chase is a paranormal extraordinaire, an investigator extraordinaire, and she's also been... Uh, the UFO, the MUFON star team manager. That was uh, back a couple years ago. I met Chase uh, just recently at the Paradigm Symposium, and we uh, we had a good chance to chat and catch up on a lot of a lot of cool things. I've heard her like years ago on on podcasts, so it was really cool to meet her uh, in person. So Chase, welcome to uh, welcome to Grime America. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to be here. You guys rock. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> it's so great to chat with you. I got so many, uh, we got so many things we could talk about, but we kind of want to do like a little Halloween special. And I know you're talking about taking all your equipment out in the field and doing, you know, ghost investigations and searching for cryptids. And we thought, man, you must have a couple good stories for us. I'm sure I can dig up a few things. Um, <laughs> mostly I'm a ufologist. That's really where I put 90% of my time in. But I don't think you can do this long term and not understand that that there is a lot of connection to all the fields. Although mostly we don't like to mix our sciences, do we? <laughs> I know there's a, there's a tendency for people to try and separate ufology from paranormal. Absolutely. And a lot of the witnesses that experience anything those um, normally become plagued with paranormal type activity afterwards but there's definitely a connection somehow and we believe it's probably more dimensional if nothing else huh that's interesting so so you started in ufology and then you kind of shifted over to uh, more of a general uh, paranormal investigative type style 
Well, I think I mostly stayed uh, a ufologist and just started adding, you know, some paranormal investigations and cryptids. I just love the mystery. And I, you know, it's just, it's just fun to get out there and chase things you don't know. And the joke around the house is if you don't know what it is, I'll go look, whatever. <laughs> I love it. I love it all. That's great. So what's what's a couple of your favorite? Uh, I don't know if we should start uh, like sort of more of scary tales kind of scary, scary investigations you've been on. There's been uh, quite a few of them, actually, you know, and not all of them revealed paranormal activity or UFO type um, events. You know, I think it's just being out there. You know, I've been in the swamps of Louisiana looking for the Honey Island Swamp Monster and the Rougarou <laughs> and I, <laughs> who's laughing? Oh, I am. It's funny. Graham. <laughs> but uh, no, it's, it's just fun to get out there and look for some of these creatures, you know, that have been reported for years and by very credible people. And I, I got a report from some fellas down in Slido, Louisiana, and, you know, it's it's easy to want to dismiss this. And but these guys, they're fourth generation. Their whole life is out there. You're not going to tell these guys that were raised in the swamp. It's swamp gas. Yeah. They know what swamp gas is. But, uh, you know, sometimes just the environment you're out there and it's just um, I never investigate alone. So I usually have. A comrade with me and you know we're just in there and it's dark and quiet and you've got all these little noises and you know just a twig breaking and your heart will start pounding even though you know it's most likely a raccoon it's still dark in the woods it's what, awesome what was the name of that thing you're searching for uh the rougarou the rougarou yes the rougarou is big down in new orleans and you have to be careful in new orleans because there's a lot of supernatural um events and practices as well so a lot of voodoo and um you know just all sorts of activities witchcraft a lot of practices ouija boards so it's kind of uh, a portal or just kind of a hotbed much like savannah georgia which i'm in georgia so very busy in this area but I've been in the woods in uh, Daniel Boone National Forest looking for Bigfoot. I've been in cornfields looking for, um, you know, UFOs, lights in the sky, that type of activity. So you, you do, you run across things and you just, you know, your heart's pounding. And sometimes you see things you wish you hadn't seen. And that's happened a few times. But one of the reasons I got into paranormal investigations was I had just gotten back from um, this crazy, crazy hunt and really didn't think I got too much as far as evidence. But there's always those rumors that things can follow you. And I just get out of the shower and, you know, I have longer hair. So like any other girl, I'm blow drying it. I'm upside down. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I just kind of stand up, my flip my hair back and there's a huge mirror. And I literally see this man standing. I mean, this man is standing in back of me. And I was so shocked. I just dropped to the floor and my my blow dryer kind of left my hand. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I just lost the only weapon I have. I just remember reaching over, grabbing that, pulling so hard out of the wall. It, it bent the little, um, you know, wall plate, Kong, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, bent it right out. And, you know, I, I just kept waiting to get hurt or to be grabbed or something. And I just started to turn around and I didn't see him. And 
I started to stand up a little and and kind of look around the corner, you know, into the bedroom almost. But then reality starts hitting and I start thinking, oh my gosh, you know, my dogs would have gone crazy. I do lock my doors. What was that? And I searched the whole house. Nobody was there. Just kind of sat on my bed for a few minutes and I thought, oh my gosh, like, what was that? And what? I remember when I first flipped my head up and I looked at him, I looked at him right in the eye, you guys. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. But he looked as shocked as I did. And then all of a sudden it just kind of hit me, you know, and this is like my heart is still pounding. My stomach's still in knots, you know, that that instant fear you have when you think somebody's right there. You know, I just remember thinking, oh, my gosh, somewhere in another dimension, most likely there's a man calling his wife saying, I saw the creepiest thing. This woman with this crazy flying hair showed up in front of me. That's funny because that's kind of what I tend to, to go to right away is that it's some sort of weird uh, dimensional crossover or something like that, which is interesting that you just got back from from that that thing, too. Yeah, and it was actually a couple weeks later, uh, we had uh, a church event and just had a bunch of the boys in the backyard, you know, uh, with a little fire, just like a little campfire thing. And the moms were coming to pick them up. And one of the moms come out and she's clearly shaken. And she's just grabbing her kids and leaving. And it's, I'm like, whoa, 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 Jen, what's going on? And she, she said, I just walked into the garage to go get the boys, you know, some more uh, drinks and there's this man standing there and I asked him if he was here to pick up his kids and he just looked at me and then just disappeared and she said I think your house is haunted and she described him and I had never repeated what I'd seen and she described him to a T and I saw him so clearly I could pick him out of a lineup and she described the same man I didn't dare tell her oh my gosh I've seen him too because she was already that enough so so it's the same um, guy getting around your place. Yeah. So I kind of thought, well, maybe this guy followed me home and I didn't know what to do. And and I'm always, you know, really thoughtful when we pull out this experimental type equipment. Um, you know, I don't want to play with stuff we don't know anything about, you know, like those REM pods or those uh, EMF pumps. I, I don't like them and I don't use them and I don't investigate with those who do. Because here you have this piece of equipment, you put it in the room, and the theory is you increase the EMF, which one we know has all these side effects that would cause an incident that may not be real. But, you hmm. know, that's the first thing against it. And the second thing is, is that it, it may manifest apparitions or spirits. My problem with that is, is where are we getting them from? Are we pulling them from a safe place? Uh, what happens, you know, 20 minutes later when we're like, oh, okay, well, let's go do EVPs in the basement now. Yeah. And you close down your little pump. I mean, did we trap a spirit? So I'm, I'm really careful with my scientific approach not to play with things I don't know about. Mm. So for those of us that aren't familiar with an EF, EMF pump, what, what is it used for then? It's used, the theory is that you increase activity and, and you know, uh, spirits can feed off of that energy, off of that electromagnetic energy and can communicate or even manifest, huh. you know. So it's, again, for me, it's, you know, and you've got lots of stories and accounts of uh, like bad entities, demons, or just really 
negative energies. Now I'm going to feed it. Yeah, I just think yeah. I, I just think sometimes we play with things we don't know with mm. because, you know, it's like a really cool, you know, ghost hunter tool now. So I'm yeah. just really careful with that. And what was the other one that you mentioned? Uh, the EMF pump or REM pod. They do the oh, same okay, thing. Okay. Yeah, they just kind of throw out extra EMF. And we also know that that's dangerous as it is and, and very likely linked to leukemia in high doses for long term. So I, I just think it's dangerous. But, you know, you, you put a ghost hunter sticker on it and everybody's buying it and using it without considering what what they're doing. You know, what's the theory? What What's the end game? So um, that that man that you saw and then she saw it. So she was at your place when she saw him, too. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's that's creepy. Is he still there? I don't know. We moved. Uh. <laughs> Is that terrible or what? But um, I haven't really seen anything uh, paranormal personally, you know, like in my home or anything yet. Um, my husband's active duty, so we move around a lot. Oh, so, I see. Yeah. So it was. Yeah, we didn't move because of the entity. We moved because it was just time. But that was that was always something that really struck me because, again, I thought of, you know, we walk into these situations and we just have to be careful. And you have to be trained properly and understand what you're doing. It's the same thing in, in ufology. Uh, you know, people almost fantasize some downed craft and you go running out to get it. And they don't realize that we've had a lot of investigators uh, seriously injured, uh, suffered devastating sickness and even death from, you know, what we call MBC situations, which are nuclear, biological or chemical. So before you run into anything, we're going to test it first. Yeah, you that's, know a, that's I, a good point. Yeah, absolutely. So it's the same thing with the paranormal. Um, we kind of have to grow up a little uh, paranormal community, still a little newer than ufology. All right. So, so what uh, what got you interested in ufology in the in the beginning? It was a Van of uh, Eric Von Danigan book, oh, and wow. it, believe it, yeah, like way way back before you guys were born, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, I just read it, and it just stunned me. I'd never heard questions like that, or never considered them personally, and it just, I guess, got me on a roll, and uh, just that fringe mystery was very intriguing and one thing led to another then the internet showed up which mm -hmm. was phenomenal because now we had access it wasn't just a library and if you grew up in an area that didn't have a lot of access to that like a bible belt um, didn't have a lot of ufo people or you know uh, speakers to go to so it was great. The internet opened up and I, I went crazy. So I've been a ufologist, literally heavily embedded in the field since 1994. Wow, that's funny. That's that's when I uh, I got really into it too, but then I kind of left it for a while. So like even before Richard Dolan came around, like I remember sort of uh, the beginning of the 90s. Like I had a sighting in 90 in Israel and then I I followed it a little bit when I got back and I even joined CSETI at one point and I got my little MUFON card <laughs> and everything <laughs> and uh, and then and then I just like life got in the way and then I kind of like it, it it sort of waxed and waned my interest uh, over the years but yeah I definitely remember that time but then when I came back into it like 10 or 15 years later all these all these other guys were in there that I wasn't familiar with like Richard Dolan's and even Grant Cameron I hadn't heard a lot 
of back then. So, so have you yeah. had any of your own of your own uh, sightings at all? I did. Uh, we had there was my first one that I saw. You see a lot of things that you can't explain when you hunt like I do, and you know there there's a lot of times I've come home scratching my head, but I've always considered there was something more to it. Um, when we go out to investigate, we're not going out to prove that a UFO landed. That's not at all our approach, which is pretty much the public's perception. If, you, if you're a UFO hunter they, or investigator, they automatically assume you're looking to prove this. And we're not. We're trying to explain extraordinary events. But um, it was really, it was 2010, and uh, I've been talking to this witness for about two weeks on the phone, finally got out to his house in uh, very, very rural Tennessee, it was, um, he had been reporting these orange balls of light and a lot of this, um, a lot of little lights in the sky type of thing. I suspected there was a lot more. Sometimes when you're dealing with people, they don't know you. You know, it's just a phone call or, you know, uh, emails. Mm -hmm. So it takes a couple of times to get the trust and pretty soon they're telling you everything. And it wasn't until I got right before I left, um, he said something about, oh my gosh, you've got to get here. You've got to, you got to come right now because, um, those lights are back, you know, the triangle. Oh. He had never, yeah, he had never said that to me before. So of course I've got my jump kit. I'm in the car and I'm gone. He was about an hour and a half away. And I picked up another, uh, MUFON investigator that, um, on the way to his house, we pulled up in his driveway and, got out and you know the typical handshakes and he walked us right over to almost the edge of a hill and he's like well here they come now it's perfect timing <laughs> and we kind of looked up and uh, you guys it's like all these like little red lights and you know there there's like a whole group of them and it's like you know I've already got my tablet out, you know, tracking the ISS, you know, yeah, the International yeah. Space Station, you know, satellite trackers. I'm trying to get all this stuff. I'm looking for the aviation indication lights, um, yeah. you know, anything. And I'm watching these lights and I'm like, well, wait a minute. They're all coming together and they're doing a little circle like they're in formation. And then they start, uh, some of them would disappear and, and show up again. They're blinking out. And I thought, oh, wow. And he's like, well, don't forget to look at these over here. <laughs> you guys, I, I turned to the other side. There's a whole group over there. It's almost like they were all over the sky. And I was so shocked and, you know, starting to try to take pictures. They're so high in the sky, but you still try. Yeah. And then, and then the witness says, said, you know, we should go down to the cornfield. I, I have this big... Um, field out here and it's open so we have a full panoramic view and of course we're like let's go so we get into this big monster truck of his and we get into this cornfield now this is so rural you guys there are no street lights it is so dark in this cornfield and one of the first things the witness did when he got out is he pulled out this big old shotgun well, apparently the look on my face was pretty telling because he, he just puts his hand up. He goes, no, 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 Chase. No, no, no. <laughs> like, I'm not a serial killer. <laughs> he said, honestly, you know, we have problem with coyotes here. And this is just to put in the bed of the truck to protect us in case, you know, we see them. Um, 
in other words, this is his backyard. He knew everything there was to know about it. But this was a guy who was going to make a stand. If we saw coyotes, we weren't going to jump in the truck and leave. He was yeah. going to shoot them because yeah. that's what they do. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, it, it, you know, we're watching these same lights and I'm getting out all my equipment and he's getting very excited and he's, you know, tugging on my arm and he's like, chase, 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 here it comes. And this is what I wanted you to see. Uh, I, and he's so thankful. And uh, I see this light and it, it shows up kind of white. And then it's coming closer. And as it does, these two other in back of it show up. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, we've got three of these things. They're a lot closer than these lights in the sky. And you start getting excited because I'm thinking, what is this? Then as it gets closer, you realize it's kind of blocking out the stars. And then you see this fourth light, which I'm thinking is a fourth vehicle or object Mm -hmm. and it's red and it's following the first one and then it gets closer and i realize omg this is a friggin triangle that's the center the red light's the center of the triangle kind of yes it was it wasn't exactly centered um, closer to the nose a little bit yes yes and literally um I, I just couldn't believe it. The way it moves uh it's hard to describe it's not gliding it's not flying it's it's just going so slow but the size of it is so intimidating it is just crazy it's humongous and it's flying directly over this cornfield and we couldn't take our eyes off it but I was grabbing my camera and I I keep trying to take a picture of it and nothing's working so I'm throwing that one down picking up another one I had four separate cameras all different makes and models and this thing's you know, right there. I couldn't believe it. Um, none of my equipment was working. So of course wow. I'm thinking. So, so what was happening? Like it just wasn't, you couldn't turn them on or the, the, the power was just not working or. It's like it, they froze. It, wow. Like, not, yeah. like none of the buttons would work or, or, you know, you turn it on and it, you know, it's just, it was dead. Yeah. So I'm thinking battery drain. Cause we yeah. hear this all the time uh-huh. and I've actually had it happen a few times and, you know, so I remember saying something and I probably even dropped the F-bomb, which is not like me at all. I typically oh. don't do that. But I, th- I think I oh, said something sure. like, I'm, I'm going to seriously like effing chuck this camera across the cornfield. <laughs> I was so mad because I it's right there. Well, we finished watching it, um, you know, go over us. It, it, it kind of goes off in the distance. I remember thinking, my gosh, I have been chasing these since 1994. Mm-hmm. And here it is all these years later, how many investigations I've done, how many times I've run into the woods or, you know, gone out and to do these investigations. And I, I, I'm, my heart's pounding. I am so excited because what I just saw, it's not ours. I, nobody will convince me that we're that advanced and keeping that big of a secret. This thing was huge. And it's not ours. I, I just knew it wasn't. Yeah, that's. I was going to ask that, too. I mean, that's, uh, you, you know, you're hearing so much about these black triangles now, and you're hearing that people saying that they're, well, a lot of people say they're both. Uh, there's some, someone else's who knows who, and then they're also some sort of black project. But this one doesn't oh, seem sure. like it was, uh, was that. Eh? Well, 
I don't, I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. And, you know, we do understand as ufologists that 80% of everything in our database is absolutely going to be explained 10 years after the report. We do understand that, you know what I mean? That there's a lot of misidentification, especially these drones are killing us right now. Yeah. Yeah. So and the little we, toy drones too, Every, you know, real drones, toy drones. I want a toy drone. Chinese lanterns. <laughs> <laughs> Chinese lanterns are a little easier, but yeah, only because yeah. we have, you know, so many references with them. But, yeah, yeah. you know, these drones we can't keep up with because they're not just military or homeland security anymore. Memphis, before we left, literally purchased, you know, uh, um, almost 200 of them. Wow. Memphis. Wow. Uh, local law enforcement is using them. And, of 200? course, they're all well, yes, it, and they're not all surveillance. I mean, it just the drone program comes with, you know, just a plethora of different types of drones that can be used from, you know, ground, ground rolling, uh, explosive assistance. I can't remember the acronym they use for them, but, you know, to those flying through the air. And absolutely, Memphis has a lot of them, a lot of them. But so do most uh municipalities, uh, cities, any kind of crime area. These drones are huge right now. Yeah, I think you they're know. even using them for speed patrol. Yes, absolutely. Which is, it's, it's just crazy. And when you think of the NSA can literally pick up every single email and phone call in the United States that we know of, I'm sure it's the world if we want to go that far. It, it's crazy to think that they're not watching and looking and how easy that it is for them with their technology that, you know, they could just hone in anywhere they want visually. Absolutely. Hmm. And that's just with satellites. Now, you can imagine advancing that with um, a, a drone that can go anywhere you want and, and can be as small as a fist. It's crazy. Wow. But and even smaller, maybe even like those little bumblebee looking ones. Yeah, or the ones that the dragonflies or even the little mosquitoes that, you know, we see popping up online. <laughs> That's crazy. That it creeps me crazy. out. So and back to the back to the sighting a little bit there. So you had the wherewithal to actually try and take pictures because you hear so many stories about people. And I totally understand this. Like, I don't think I would have been able to take a picture during my sighting. Like, I was too focused on just watching it and staring at it and making sure that everybody around me was seeing what I was seeing. Like, I think if I, even if I had a camera and iPhone on me at the time, I wouldn't have been able to do it. So, so here you are, you've got the wherewithal to grab all your equipment, try all these different cameras and they're not working. Exactly. So how big do you think the thing was then? You know, it, the size is really hard to determine because the only there were seven witnesses to this event because uh, the witness had some cousins show up and things like that. Uh, I the only discrepancy in all seven witnesses was how high this was. I mean, some said it was like fifteen hundred feet. Some said it was three thousand. I think one witness said it was probably thirty thousand feet. You know, like you just we just couldn't decide we couldn't figure out not one person had the same answer as how high this object was mm -hmm. and of course i didn't even want to make a guess because i i'm not good at that i had no idea how high this thing was but it was huge i would estimate uh what i did was if you hold a magazine um and you know just straighten both your arms, arms length. Oh, yeah. yes, above your head and open that magazine, that magazine would not have covered that craft. Yeah, wow. 
Yeah, that's a lot of stars that's blacking out. Yeah, and that's how you could tell it was a triangle. And, and of course, you know, once it got closer, the lights, you could tell, were part of one object. And, you know, th there wasn't a whole lot of detail you could see. But, you know, it never changed course. It never slowed down or, you know, it, it was just on its mission. It went right over our head. It was shortly after that, obviously, I'm all excited. And uh, the wit, uh, one of the the other investigator, she was talking to one of the witnesses a little further up. And I remembered being a little concerned at that time because we can't talk about it uh, amongst each other because now as investigators, we just became witnesses. We can't compare stories and, and talk about it too much. So that discussion was just about to come up. And all of a sudden I felt uh, just like I was being watched or things, something wasn't right. And I remember turning around and saying in this field, hey, does anyone else feel like you're being watched? And I don't mean from up there, but down here. And you guys, that's exactly when it hit me. And it was like this fear. It, it, I don't want to say it was like a punch because it didn't hurt, but it was a physical slam. Like you felt it hit you. Uh -huh. And this fear, oh my gosh, you guys, it, it's so hard to describe because the best way to do it is fight or flight times a thousand. Wow. Every single cell in your body is absolutely alert, alive and terrorized and you need to get out of there. And I just remembered as for just feeling this fear and literally just turning and running. And I'm in the middle of changing batteries because even though I realized after the, the big triangle was gone, everything came back online. So it's it wasn't like battery drain, but I was going to change the batteries anyway. Mm -hmm. Right in the middle of this, I just turn and I just start running and I'm running towards a truck. But as I do this, I noticed everybody else did the exact same thing. Nobody said run. Nobody said, what's that? Nobody said, OMG, nothing. I mean, we all just at the exact same time turned and started running for this truck. I'm in back of the witness and I, you guys were hauling. I, I, I remember thinking, wow, like this is fast. Like I am running so fast. And all of a sudden the witness just stops and I hit him so hard. <laughs> I, I don't even know how both of us were still standing. And he turned around and he says, what the F was that? And he had, he was the only one actually that had one of these big uh, flashlights and he still had it in his hand. And he took his arm. Now I'm, I'm right in back of him. I'm practically on top of him. And he takes his left arm and he swings it out and it stops and it lands on this little being that's just standing there and I think we were both shocked that there was something just right there like six feet from us and that's I call it the one second because we literally saw this thing for the same amount of time as one one thousand two that's it wow. and we were gone um, we get in the truck everybody else is in the truck uh, I think uh, three of the guys jumped in a car that was further up uh, up the path uh, than the truck was but we were hauling to get out of there but you know it was just this we just knew we had to get out there but there wasn't a consciousness about us leaving if that makes sense yeah it's just instinct just yeah. get, get the hell out of there so so the uh, the being did, did it didn't disappear you guys just ran 
Yeah, we yeah. ran like friggin' girls, which is not like us. Remember, this is a guy who brought a shotgun. Yeah. This is his backyard. <laughs> this was not somebody who had any intentions of running at all, nor have I ever run. And I've been scared in the woods. I've, you know, stood there when we've heard like something trashing, you know, bushes and leaves coming at us. And we stood our ground. Stupid. But if it was Bigfoot, I wanted to see it. It, you know, it's just crazy. And we just ran. And it, I, it, the terror, I, I I can't explain it other than I never want to feel that way again. It was horrid. It was something I still deal with every, every once in a while. It will creep up a little. And it's terrible. Yeah. I, it, the worst feeling ever. And that kind of terror and uncontrolled behavior, you have no control. It's the worst. It really is horrible. And we get back into his driveway and we're all, you know, kind of tumbling out of the, he had a big monster truck. I mean, this thing, you know, we needed help getting in. It was so high, but, you know, we come get out of there and nobody's saying anything. I think everybody's so shocked. And there was a sense about the further we got away from the cornfield, it's like the more sensibilities came back and, you know, the fear dissipated. So I just remember kind of giggling a little and I'm like, what the fetch was that? <laughs> like, what, why, are, why did we run? What are we doing here? And it was about that time, um, the other witness we had discussed, we have to call the state director because now this is, you know, turned into a much bigger yeah, event. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and we need them to come out because we can't discuss any of this until we're all debriefed separately. Right. Uh, this point, the witness comes up to me, and and this is why I do what I do. And he literally crumbles. You know, he he kind of falls on a knee, and and he's very emotional. And he's like, "Thank you so much, Chase, for coming. Oh my God, you saw that, right? You saw that." And I said, yes, yes. And he goes, what is it? What is it? And all I could think to say, the only thing that came out of my mouth, because I can't tell him what I saw, um, I just said, it was real. And it was, you know, just this moment of him being totally grateful. Almost, yeah, and at peace almost because he's not crazy. And it was right then I realized us coming out as the, uh, investigators to him we were the professional people that he needed I'm not his wife that's gonna say whatever he needs me to say or yes dear I yeah I saw something too you know you know we were the unbiased witnesses in his mind yeah that were yeah. that we're gonna say let me tell you what this is and what we can do <clears throat> and you know but then he said something that kind of threw me a little he said what do they want and I'm thinking, they? Uh, what they? I didn't see a they. I saw an it. I didn't see nothing about those they. Like, what?
So now I have to ask then what it looked like. It was, I, and I still never say I have seen an alien. I, I call it the being because I'm still scratching my head over this case, you guys. But it was literally about about three and a half uh, about three foot to three and a half feet. Um, my first reaction when I saw it was, oh, my God, it's not that cute little Roswell. Uh, you know, it it wasn't that cute. Um, it, it didn't have those great big, you know, black almond eyes. Uh, they were more human-like and smaller. But it was very much that same type of being. Um, the other thing I really, really remember is how absolutely twig-like his legs were like they wouldn't have held him up. They were ridiculous. And I, I was so stunned by how frail and tiny they were. I actually worried about him. I'm thinking, how's he stand? Like all of this in one second, I understand is, is kind of hard to believe, but it's exactly what happened. And, um, and it never moved you guys. It was so dark in that cornfield. Then to all of a sudden have this great big halogen, in your face, six foot away, dead pan in your face, not a twitch, not a movement, you know, so I've often wondered if it was mechanical, um, just something placed out there. Mm -hmm. It looked as real. Avatar, maybe. Yeah. Hologram. Who knows, you guys? So you didn't, uh, you didn't sense a sentience to him at all? Or? No, no. And, you know, to this day, I wonder, you know, that fear, that fear was, oh, my gosh, so real. But it wasn't ours. It was given to us. Yeah, and yeah. I, I, to this, was it that being? Was it the triangle? Was that being there to try to get us away from there so we didn't? I, like, these are the questions. Oh, it's like right out of a Stephen King novel. Yeah. We, you know, people say, oh, I wish I could see one. And I'm thinking, man, it just gave me a hundred more questions than I went in with. <laughs> I, I don't know what it was doing. I don't even know if it was real. Um, I we went back immediately after because as I'm sitting there, I'm like, you guys, this is what I do. I look for uh, trace evidence and physical evidence. That's my forte is forensics. And I'm like, we got to get back there. And we were back in that cornfield in less than 30 minutes. And I could see where we were. I could see where we were running. I could see where, you know, there was panic. Everything was very clear except anything from him. And it was very frustrating. And, and I, I was even back the, other, the very next day. I was there in that field, literally by myself, looking for anything uh, from that being for almost five and a half hours. Hmm. I, just, I just wasn't stopping. I kept looking over the same areas because he was there and I knew he was. And, and the lack of evidence didn't make me think he wasn't. Right. But, um, I, you know, there was, you know, later on the evening, we see this yellowish type of ball or orb of light coming through the tree line. It finally ascends up over the trees and it literally wobbles away. You guys, after that event, I'm like, yeah, I want to go home now. Like, I've had enough because nobody gets everything in one night. And that was the biggest question. I'm driving home and bull crap, bull crap. What the hell was that? And that's still... It's still exactly how I feel about that event. It was the scariest thing. Um, I never want to feel that again. Uh, I've been scared before. I've even been, you know, in that panic, fight or flight, but never that type of absolute terror. And I honestly don't wish it on my worst enemy. Mm. It's just crazy. 
Um, I think about it all the time. I just really still scratching my head what the hell was going on in that that field that night because I'm not 150%, I'm not even 100% convinced it was extraterrestrial. Nobody gets everything in one night. Yeah. Was he wearing clothes? I didn't see anything like that. I didn't see anything that indicated like a collar or a zipper or a button, nothing. I, you know, I couldn't see male or female. Um, it, it looked biological, but it acted absolutely stoic and machine. And I say that only because of the reality of pitch black to halogen in your face and it doesn't twitch. Not even a little finger move that I saw. But it was, uh, that was one of the biggest events. And, you know, it's just, it, it's kind of melted down a little bit. The investigator... Um, is no longer in ufology. She left shortly after this, completely like got in her car and left, family, everything, and left. No one knew who she was. Uh, Total, it it was a big event. The witnesses don't talk to each other anymore. They kind of stay in their own little circle. And it was, you know, um, shortly after that, his wife came up to me, pulled me aside and said, Chase, are you a wife and a mother? And I'm like, yes, I am. And she said, well, I hope you understand what I'm going to say. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you coming out and spending all this time and, you know, bringing the extras and and really doing this right and, you know, validating certain things for my husband. But I I just have a couple questions. Can you tell me what they are? And I'm like, no. And she knew this. Like she knew I was never going to be able to say, yeah, you got the mothership from Pilates. Yeah. (laughs) We can't say that. It's ridiculous. You know, the best I could give her was their unknowns. I can't even say, yes, that's extraterrestrial object. Mm -hmm. I've never said that. You know, I put down unknowns. We don't know what it is. It is truly an object that we don't know. It is a UFO. Even though I never use those terms, it's an unknown. Um, Well, the fascinating part of it is uh, that it's a it's a triangular sighting, which you hear so much about, but not you don't really hear it a lot with uh, entities, right? And absolutely, and you don't hear a lot of it in this area. I mean, there were a couple other reports of the triangles that I found out later. Um, I wasn't investigating triangles at the time, so um, it wasn't until later that we had a pilot, actually two pilots, that were flying that had reported on several occasions seeing triangles. And I hadn't known this, but you know, the more I, I did research, well, let me get back to the wife. The other yeah, thing, yeah. She, well, the other question she asked was, can you stop it? Can you stop what's happening? Hmm. And again, she knew what I was gonna say. And I knew where, where she was going with this because I am a wife and mom, you know? And she's like, then I need you to, um, you know, separate for a while. She says, I need to fix my family. I have to get things back to normal. My husband is out chasing these things till four and five in the morning. He, you know, his his business is suffering. And, you know, to this day, there are several other things that I, I would love to report that would make my account so much more credible, but I cannot because this witness was desperate to stay anonymous and has asked for confidentiality um, also from where he lives. He's very well known um, in his area and 
he's also a sports figure is the uh, best I could say. Yeah. So, you know, if you follow what he does, people would know him immediately all over the world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it was, I didn't know who he was because I don't follow what he did. But the other investigator, we get out of the car and she's like, oh, my God, do you know who that is? Do you think that that's something? Do you get the sense that he would ever open up about it at all? I do. I'm waiting because I would love nothing more. Um, He he and his wife, you know, he stayed on. Yeah, we did it by the phone for a little bit. And of course, his wife texted me a couple of times. And now it's more to where um, about every six months or about every three months, I'll get a text message and it'd be like, "Uh, you still there? I'm like, Yep, this is still my number, and I will never change it without making sure you have a new one. And he's like, "Okay, just checking." It's wow. it's like, yeah, but they've so totally cool. dropped it. So and were you, were reminds you, me uh, of that reminds me of that movie Signs. Yeah, yeah, kind of Signs. Well, yeah. Mel Gibson. Yeah. Huh. So did, you, did were you part of the star team? Was that a star team investigation then? A MUFON star team investigation? I was. It was a MUFON investigation, um, and I was the star team manager uh, right after that. I, I had applied. Um, an email came out throughout MUFON that said they were looking for a new star team manager, and this was after the whole Bigelow debacle. And I applied knowing there was no chance in. Hades that I was going to be picked up as star team manager and they picked me and I loved it. I had the best time. I loved that job. Great. Yeah. And how long did that go for it? Not too long, eh? No, about a year. And, you know, uh, a couple incidences happened and um, I was forced, unfortunately, to pick between integrity, lying to a population of members that, you know, trusted me. And I made a lot of promises to people that I would not do this. And when I was put in a corner um, and my integrity just wasn't for sale or rent, so I had to quit, which really pissed me off because I was killing it. You guys, I never had less than nine deployments at one time. Most of the time I was double digits. I had teams everywhere. We were rocking and rolling. And I'll be honest with you, I don't think they saw me coming. Wow. I don't think so. I, you know, you don't hear about that kind of activity in MUFON anymore, and you didn't really too much before. And I was killing it. People kind of wanted to be on the star team. We had a cool star team. You know, we were going to be transparent. We were putting everything that we did in the journal, good and bad guys. If we made a mistake or, you know, we called out something as an unknown and, you know, two months later found out, oh, that's what it is we'd come clean like it was awesome and i just you know you catch them with their hand in the cookie jar i'm not playing i don't do the whole secret squirrel not happening Hmm. but that's not the membership you know this was no that's the political part of it absolutely because the investigators you know the state directors down are the heart and soul of mufon and they'll be the ones that will um make the difference out there it's not those you know not the guys at the top and you know, what if someone offered to tell you all the secrets of the UFOs and all that, all that shit? And but the one catch was you could never ever tell anyone or write about it. Or would you still want to know? That is an awesome question. I don't know. Um, I I kind of have an adversity to people that keep those kind of secrets. You know, it's uh, the elite. You know, that I do believe people have answers and they're not giving them to us. And it may be 
for our own good. You know, we just don't know, but it's it's just not their decision what we can have and what we can't when it comes to knowledge. And um, I don't I, I don't think so. I don't think I would take that deal. I, I, I think I, I, I could would look take at, that deal. You could take that. Yeah. I wouldn't take the deal. I would tell them, I, you know, I'll just keep looking with my friends. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I would take it either. Oh, yes. Yeah, no, yep. no I, then you're just a part of them. Then you just become one of them. That'd just be me, but I'd know. <laughs> I know, but wouldn't it? But wouldn't it almost kill you on the inside? You know, when you see, you know, what if it's not what we expect? You know, what if aliens are viruses, or you know, really going to come and you know devastate the earth? What if they're the Nephilim? You know, what if it's more biblical and supernatural? And now you had to keep that secret, knowing that there is a countdown. Oh man, I think it's too much pressure. Don't do it. Yeah, I meant too late. No. It's too late. No, not me. I wouldn't even care what the answer was. I still wouldn't want. I'd still have to tell people. Maybe I know already. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, no, I, I, you know, if I, if I couldn't say anything, um, it's kind of why I have a radio show. It's yeah, that's what I. That's exactly what I was just gonna say. That's why we do this to communicate it, stuff, ideas, thoughts, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. So, Certainly isn't that I'm great at it. <laughs> oh, you are. You're good at it. No, it's no, great. no, no. So speaking of that, I was going to ask you about your your sort of I don't know your opinion, your personal ideas about the phenomena in general. Uh, UFOs. Yeah, I absolutely believe that they're real. Um, uh, something is going on. What I don't know is. You know, basically the same questions we're looking for now. Um, I think the consensus in ufology is over the past couple of decades, we've pretty much proven in in a hundred different ways that they are real and they are entering our atmosphere. The question now is, what do they want? And um, that's kind of where we're going with that, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, and I think, you know, we're, we're trying to decide. There's uh, The questions now is, with all the hundreds and thousands of amateur astronomers out there, how come we're not seeing all these vehicles or objects coming from the Orion sectors or, you know, coming from the moon? Uh, we're, tr- we're watching screwdrivers that the space shuttle dropped. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we should be able to see them. And when you think that MUFON alone is averaging about 900 reports a month and they're not the only database, there's plenty of others, you know, um, that's a lot of reports. You think we'd see more. So now we have to decide, is this dimensional? So, yeah. Yeah. you know, my personal theory is they're not getting here with a full tank of gas and a Red Bull. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, I almost think it's definitely, um, you know, they've mastered time and space, um, whether they're getting here wormholes or not. They're doing things that we're just now learning are real, let alone how to manage that technology or discovery. You know, they, they've got thousands of years on us, thousands. How do you not let the, the whole uh, guerrilla skeptic movement get to you or, or, or does it get to you? Because, you it, know, we talk about all this evidence and it really all it takes is to read a, a handful of books and, and uh, with a logical approach and an open enough mind, you have to admit there's something genuine going on. 
Well, yeah, because the government admits it is. So, you know, they're aware, too. And when you think of some of the most brilliant minds, you know, we have astronauts that were actually standing on the moon. You know, our space travelers. Allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) I love that conspiracy, too. Um, But honestly, you know, they're coming out talking about what they've seen up there. Um, So, you know, we're not sniffing dirt anymore, if that makes sense. But we definitely, I definitely believe something is going on. How do I deal with the skeptics? I hold them to the same, I guess, the same criteria and level they're holding me to. For every debunk they have, show me your evidence. How did you get to that? Where's the math equation? Do you have an algorithm for that? Um, what about this picture? Tell me how, and your analysts prove that it's not this. Hmm. We're holding them to the same standards that they're holding us to. It's easy to say bull crap, but show me your stuff, honey. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's, and we're holding them. So that's kind of, and to tell you the truth, guys, I am not really out to prove or convince anybody UFOs are real. It, this was more of a personal quest. Yeah. I've got I've got my answers. I don't care if my neighbors believe it or not. You know, 10 years ago, I was a crazy lady down the road. Now I'm like the hottest chick on the block because, you know, I'm a UFO investigator. I do paranormal. Everyone wants to talk to me now, right? (laughs) That's hilarious. Yeah, but... There seems to be such a movement to prove it, though. Everybody seems to want to have to prove this to people. And and it's... uh, I'm kind of the same way. I don't really... I don't really need an answer so much myself. I just kind of like the uh, the whole mystery. Yeah, it's better Absolutely. if it's a mystery. Otherwise, we're out of we won't have a show. <laughs> <laughs> I've often thought of that. It's uh, you know, if one was to land on the White House lawn, which I guess buzzing the White House for two nights, two weekends in a row in 1952 wasn't enough. But um, you know, we forget very easily as Americans, and you know, there's more than enough evidence that, you know, the press has seen it, you know, presidents have seen it, uh, hundreds of thousands of people have witnessed it at the same time. And it's just really easy to say, yeah, well, I don't know what that was because you guys, I've been hunting them since 94, 2010, first thing. And how did I leave? I left a, a veteran investigator thinking, what the hell was that? Yeah. It's easy to dismiss. It's easy to do that. And I think I've become a much better investigator because I do understand several things now, including when you see something so completely extraordinary, um, how easy it is to almost think you're crazy and not want to talk about it. Hmm. I wanted to mention uh, one thing before I forgot. I don't think Darren knows this, too. I felt that fear once in my in my life that fear you're talking about i don't know if it's if it's the same thing but i was on this island we were we were camping in la Conner in northwestern united states and we took this canoe there was four four of us guys we were teenagers like probably 15 or 16. we drove we took the canoe to this island and we stayed on this like desert island in these tents two tents and we we're we i think we were having a few beers at the time and we didn't drink a lot but um we went to bed and we heard this thing walking around outside the tents and, um, and I was whispering to the guys in the next tent. I'm like, do you guys hear that? Like, do you guys hear that? And, 
I've never had my heart catch it, like my breath. I was so scared I couldn't even breathe. And I mean, what am I thinking? I'm just a teenager. Somebody walking around outside. Like, why could I just open the flap and look outside? But we kept whispering back and forth in the tents, and then I, I couldn't even talk. I was so scared. And I never ended up even looking out to see what it was. It could have been a, like a little animal or, or who knows, some bipedal creature walking around. But, exactly. I mean, but I felt that fear where I could not even breathe. Anyways, I just wanted to share that with you. It's a horrible feeling. And, you know, once you've experienced it and, um, you know, not to make light of yours, but, you know, that that absolute terror that grips you like that, it's almost stunning. And now, you know, you kind of put where you're forced to do something that's not normally what we would have done. But it's it's a terrible feeling. So do you have any other um, favorite cases you'd like to mention or, or favorite like ghost stories, kind of Halloween-y type stuff? I actually had, a, we were in a house and paranormal because not everything's going to be a ghost. But, um, you know, when you're an investigator, all sorts of things happen. And uh, we're in the house and, the, of course, the people had to leave. We have everything shut down. And she had had animals, but she took them with her. That's the last we knew. And we knew there were none in the house at all. And all of a sudden, I'm standing in the living room and a couple of the other investigators. This was with a team called Ghost. It stood for Ghost Hunters of Southwest Tennessee. Awesome, awesome, fun team. And I'm standing there, and all of a sudden, we hear <clears throat> from the back of the house these bangs. And each bang, you could very definitely tell it was coming closer and closer and closer to where we were. And I swear it stopped right in back of me. And I look up and every investigator is looking at me and their eyes are the size of Texas and their mouths are open. And I'm thinking, stop it. Like it's right behind me, isn't it? And uh, nobody said anything. And then all of a sudden I heard this kind of whimpering and it, we realized it was a dog and she had left her dog outside and I guess it's on a chain and it could get under the house and that chain was hitting those little boards underneath. <laughs> it was crazy and it was so scary, but you know, it was another one of those moments where, you know, you're not breathing. You're like, Oh my God, but not everything is paranormal. So At least you get the relief. Oh, yeah. It was quite the joke after because, yeah, we had video cameras going and uh, there was another time we're in uh, a cemetery. Uh, it was actually it was a charity that we would do is go in and clean up this very historic uh, cemetery. The uh, first mayor of Memphis is there and a lot of slaves were buried and all the children that died from smallpox is in this graveyard. Normally, we don't investigate a graveyard. It's kind of crazy. That's where they're resting, not where their incident happened. So, you know, it's kind of a waste of time. Don't want to pop anyone's bubble here, but kind of a waste of time. Entities don't want to hang out there either. Nothing going on. But anyway, we're there because it's popular. So for the people that came out and helped us uh, restore this very, uh, very old and unkept graveyard, we would do a ghost hunt with them at night. Everybody could just stay and we would teach them what we do. 
and my boys are with me. Now, you got to understand, my oldest son, David, is with the Spec Op team, and he's with the Swick Boats uh, down in Louisiana. He's actually stationed at a NASA base. And then we got my youngest son, Peter, who is a recon marine. Wow. Okay, these, yeah, they are, these tough boys, right? And so they're with us, and they think it's kind of cool. They get to go out, you know, and see what mom's doing for the first time, whatever. And there's a rumor of a shadow man in this area. <laughs> well, I don't know if they just got spooked or what was going on, but, you know, they're with a little group, and the group gets scared, and they start freaking out. But here come my boys running and screaming like little girls. Like I have all on video is great. They are just running down this path screaming mom. And it's it's just the funniest thing to see these, you know, badass guys calling for their mom over a shadow man. <laughs> so, you know, there's a lot of fun moments and, you know, there's a lot of camaraderie out here. You know, Graham, when you and I met, it was like instant camaraderie. It was uh, instant. We have a hundred things to talk about because um, we love what we do. And there's, you know, a lot to uh, being broadcasters. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's the fascinating thing is getting to talk to, talk to open-minded, like-minded people. Yeah. Exactly. So what do you, what do you have? Um, do you have, are you going to write any books or anything like that? Do you have anything else? Uh, I mean, you've got your radio show. I'd like to hear a little bit more about that. And I do, I have a children's book out. It's the first of its kind ever because it's, it's a very small, simple little children's book. And <clears throat> the, I, I guess the age group is listed as three to eight years old. Mm -hmm. And it's just really a very simple little book, and it's called Are Aliens Really Real? And it's a little boy that's walking with his grandmother, and they're going through a park, and he's asking these questions because, you know, children are very aware of aliens. It's all over their video games, cartoons, movies, you know. Breakfast cereal. Absolutely. And it, it's really, you can expect this this question. And this was one that my grandson really asked me and he, he was like, you know, Mims, are aliens really real? And I realized you guys, what do I say to him? I'm not going to tell him yes. You know, what if he's 18 and, and he doesn't believe that? What if he looks for himself and thinks it's garbage? You know, I just wasn't going to do that. So I felt as though I answered his questions in a way that was pretty, pretty, pretty awesome, you know, because I really wanted him to look for the answers himself. I wanted him to be confident enough that he could search and dig through and read and research. But I also want him to reach for the stars and be good at anything he does. So the book and the questions um, we go through and, you know, that's kind of the theme is that we really want them to make up their own mind and to just consider possibilities outside of the box. Now, the illustrations that were done um, there's every page has a little alien somewhere in the picture and the little kids get to find it. And of course the innuendo is just because you didn't see it didn't mean it wasn't there or it isn't real. Ah. So it's, it's a fun little book. It's on Amazon. Um, it's doing pretty good. Yeah, doing... I should pick up a copy of that for my daughter. Yeah. For I sure. will send you a copy for oh, your daughter. That's great. So oh, great. absolutely. You put uh, your address in the Skype and I will, and, and her name, and I will have one out for her tomorrow. Awesome. Thanks. You're welcome. And I did just get done uh, writing a book. Um, 
It's edited by Nick Redfern, and it's going to be published by Richard Dolan, and it's called Admissible. And it's a field investigator's guide on exactly how to investigate UFOs, paranormals, and cryptids. Oh, very cool. Yeah, it should be. It's due out. It was supposed to be out, at, like, I think October 1st. And, uh, of course, it's delayed because, you know, they're freaking rock stars and never home to edit my freaking book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, how do you even have time to write one? Uh, it was, yeah, it was crazy. It, it was, um, and didn't even start to write that. I'm not a... I'm not an author. I'll never do it again. It was a brutal process. <laughs> and I'm so thankful I have Nick and, and I call him Big D. Um, Richard? Yeah. Because friends. Yeah, Richard Dolan. Um, he's he's just amazing. He's actually uh, one of my best friends. So we trust each other. And, you know, they kind of talked me through this process. And he felt as though we needed something out here because other than the MUFON manual, um, which teaches you uh, how to investigate for MUFON. Mm -hmm. And a lot of their policies wouldn't be effective out here if you're not working at MUFON. You know, so plus they don't address any of the other issues that are often associated with uh, UFO investigation, such as, you know, the paranormal activity or even other things. People report seeing strange lights with Bigfoot. What's that? You yeah, know, yeah. Uh, and paranormal activity is often associated with uh, some of these, you know, abduction scenarios and contact, contactees. So, you know, unless you understand the whole phenomena, you know, and, and I, I believe like Jacques Vallée and J. Allen Hynek, it's, I believe all of it is going to end up being dimensional. Because why are we, not, you know, why do you see this big field and you've got two big footprints? There should be 40 of them across that field, right? Mm -hmm. Why are you only getting two? You know, why are these, you know, why these aliens can walk through walls and, and take people up into spaceships? And, you know, if, if all of this is true, how is this working? Yeah. They, they definitely are uh, dealing with a different uh, physics than we are. And we just need to know what it is and tap into it. And same with paranormal activity. So... Maybe Sasquatch does long. What's that? What's that long tar or whatever that those monks do, oh, where they oh. <laughs> fly? The long walking or the fast walking? Yeah, or whatever. yeah. yeah. And, and it could be, uh, you know, the American Indians, the Native Americans are—they're uh, convinced they live here. Um, I don't want them to be entities or or dimensional. I really want them to be an undiscovered biological species living in our woods somewhere. I just don't think that's the case. You know, there's many accounts of people shooting them and they just disappear. You know, so either they're cloaking or yeah, something. Or in, yeah, or in and out of dimensions or something like that. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? When it's, all these fields, when you look at them in a big picture, how they all kind of relate with that string theory and, um, you know, these different types of dimensions. Yeah. So even the Bible talks about three heavens. So, you know, we've got three different dimensions just in a biblical concept alone. Hmm. So what about your uh, your radio show then? The Project White Papers on KGRA Radio? Yes, that's on Thursday nights at 9 p.m. And we are a live show. Um, I really feature the boots on the ground. I try to you know, feature the witnesses themselves or the investigators that were present. Um, it's just interesting here, firsthand account of what's going on out here. 
And every once in a while, I'll throw a rock star in there. Last week, I had Nick. And, you know, they're always fun guests. But my, my goal for the show was to give people a voice that normally wouldn't have one. Why? Because we're working. And yeah. we're not authors, because that's a brutal process. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great, though. That's, that's, uh, I like that. I like that uh, attitude about getting, getting some of the people on that would normally not have a chance to do that. Right. They don't have, you know, they're not writing for magazines and they really don't want to. But, you know, they've got a lot of great cases and uh, investigation theory is is huge out here. I'm always looking for a better way to get information. And, you know, uh, about the time you think that you've heard everything, something new comes along like a static alarm. You know, it's just awesome. And. Working with engineers on equipment, uh, we have dreams. I want to use Doppler radar, uh, radar when we have these known hotspots. And obviously, Doppler is very expensive. But what if we could get a consumer grade, but it still has to have, you know, th these uh, certain properties for us to investigate, you know, in a scientific way. Mm -hmm. You hmm. know, even even my analyst, I don't use MUFON analysts. Because mm -hmm. I don't want my analysts to have an agenda attached in any way, shape, or form. I go to MIT. I ask the guys. I go to Kodak. Um, I have two guys at Kodak because they don't care what it is. They don't care either way. They don't have they don't have a card in the game. Yeah, yeah. You know, so we really have to, and that's of course in the book too about you know really how to do a real scientific, conclusive, smart, how to stay safe out there. There's a lot. Let's not forget that UFOs, what separates UFO investigations from the rest is that, um, and you heard me say this before, Graham, is that it's a national security issue yeah, and right. it's a military problem. So we do, we do uh, have outside influences that we deal with sometimes that you don't see with Bigfoot or, you know, uh, yeah. cryptids or yeah. ghosts. Yeah. So how do people listen to that show then? Can they go, they can go online. It's a live internet radio, right? It is. Uh, we're digital broadcasters and we are FM satellite modeled. So basically what that means is that uh, we're pretty much everywhere. Uh, we're on apps. We're on iTunes. I don't know. I don't know all the details. I just know you can hear us if you go to www.kgraradio.com and, you know, and come join us and chat. You know, it's just a it's just a good time, but it's a good network. And, you know, the reasons we all gathered there was because <clears throat> you know this this field uh littered up pretty quick too yeah yeah and we just wanted to be broadcasters that were dedicated to excellence and just kind of gather together but um if you look all of us hang out we're good friends it's and we started that way and we just came together and and bonded literally as this tight circle and we support each other and, and there, and that's easy to do because we started out way before we decided to do radio. Right. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, we're big fans of, of you and some of the other people on that KGRA, too. I know, and I keep looking at you guys like, geez, don't you want to join a network? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one day. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You so guys what, really do rock it out here. Oh, thanks. No, we're trying. We're new at this, and we're just trying to, uh, you know, to be open and then have a different style here and, and chat to some real interesting people like yourself. Oh, thank you. So what else? Uh, for contact info, how can people uh, get a hold of you? Do you have any other um, other things you'd like to tell our guests? 
our well, listeners? Well, unlike some people, I have a Facebook page <laughs> that I am obsessed with. It's that <laughs> that and text messaging is the quickest way to get a hold of me. Um, and uh, I have email. It's Chase uh, and is a Nancy Pete at yahoo.com. Um, my website is www.chaseklitsky.com. Kept everything real easy. Just type my name. You'll find me. And um, I'm looking for, I still take cases. I'm looking for uh, cases that kind of offer physical or trace evidence. I do rapid deploy. I I do have funding. So if I need to jump on a plane, I, I have that funding and a grant that I can use that's as great. travel. Wow, that's excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So, guys, get me something in Canada. All right. We will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be freaking awesome. Yeah. You might want to wait till spring. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say the same thing from yeah. what I hear from weather reports because, yeah, it's it's cold up there. Yeah, for sure. If you're ever up here, you got to look uh, Grimerica up for sure. Oh, definitely, guys. And uh, maybe get you out there hunting with me. Yeah. Be oh, yeah, for sure. I will send Graham. <laughs> I will send Graham. Graham's our field guy. I'm the, I'm the experimenter guy, yeah. Uh, so it's been but, great, uh, really, really cool chatting with you. Okay, I just want to mention uh, one other show. Can I do that? Yes, oh, for yeah, sure. Of Anything you, you guys, want. You guys are so awesome. I do, I, I do have two other adventures that I do, and one is called Encounters, and that's also a radio show. It's more of a special broadcast, but that I share the mic with Richard Dolan, Peter Robbins, Mac Maloney, and wow. Race Hobbs. Wow. And we do a show once a quarter, and we just – kind of get together and it's it's a party but we hit the big topics like the real in depth like we have to we kind of tease and say it's got to be dolan worthy <laughs> yeah that's great that's that would be something to listen to so for anybody out there who uh who's hearing this check that out for sure that'll be great and I, uh, I haven't been there in a while, but I am officially, and I did it uh, every Saturday night for a long time, and I, I'm part of this team, and I miss these guys, and I need to get back. But uh, I sit uh, a panel of eight of us, and it's called Above Top Secret Live, and it's a panel of people that discuss the top conspiracies from the world's largest conspiracy website, and that's, of course, AboveTopSecret.com. And it's just fun to be with these guys. But, boy, you have to bring your A game. You have to have your details if you're going up against uh, these conspiracy nuts. And uh, so it's it's a good time. I kind of got my fingers everywhere. And it's I'm looking forward to 2014. That's great. Yeah, we'll check that out, too. Well, thanks. Do you have anything else, Darren, at all? No, I think that should uh, about do it. Thanks again for coming on. We appreciate it. Darren, you're so darling. I'm so happy to meet you, and thank you so much for having me on. Graham, you know, like, we're BFFs forever. For All right. Real. You great. are awesome. No, Thanks. you are awesome. No, it was great to have you on. We'll have you on again for sure, and we'll, we'll be in touch. Sounds great, guys.
Well, that was our uh, chat with Chase Kletsky. Yeah, we'd like to really thank Chase for coming on uh, kind of last minute and helping us out too. It was a, a big help to, uh, well, the plan was to get this episode out by Halloween, but of course we all know. Little babies got in the little way. Little babies got in the way and they take precedent over uh, all of you guys. So <laughs> so what'd you think of the, the chat with Chase? It was good. It was good. I was I'm, I was pretty unfamiliar with, with her, but it was interesting uh, for me. I guess you've listened to her a bit in the past and... Uh, but it was good. It was uh, entertaining uh, for sure. Yeah, I think she's just great, and uh, I love the like her involvement in ufology and all that. I'd love to uh, to to chat with her again and and talk to about more UFO cases and sightings. She's been involved in a lot of it. Yeah, yeah, and uh, oh yeah, and and uh, big thanks for the uh, the book she sent the the book for Madison too about aliens. So. Um, it hasn't shown up yet, but it should show up any day now. Oh, right on. Good. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So she's on uh, KGRA Radio, uh, Project White Paper, so uh, check check that out. Listen to her show. Yeah, and of course you can find uh, a, a lot of uh, uh, ex, or not ex-Americans, but uh, a lot of our guests are over at KGRA, right? We had Scotty Roberts on, Caleb oh, Hanks, yeah, right, Micah yeah. Hanks. You can find all those guys. Yeah, we'll be having KGRA. John Ward on too, and yeah, and we'll Richard have John Dolan. Ward we'll have him on coming on. up. Richard Dolan uh, coming up. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so KGRA, you can find uh, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, past guests over there and upcoming guests as well. It's kind of a whole network devoted to uh, to shows like ours. Yeah, yeah. So that's about it. If you have any uh, comments or feedback, please email. And, of course, we'll have uh, Reverend uh, Michael Carter coming up next. That'll be our next week's episode. Yeah. Uh, you guys have probably know him best. You've probably seen him on Ancient Aliens a couple times. I think he's on uh, four or five episodes of that. He's got a new book out called Alien Scriptures. Yeah, so we've got that in common. We've both been on Ancient Aliens. Um, <laughs> nice one. You haven't really been on it, buddy. Yeah, I have. Was I've, it? I've been on Ancient Aliens. Yeah? It's in my credits. <laughs> um, so we're really looking forward to that. And, of course, we're going to try and get RPJ wheeled in for our intro next week. Um, as always, guys, you're going to find uh, links to all of uh, Chase's stuff, KGRA, all the stuff we talked about, and all the music that we play in the episode. You'll find all that in the show notes, as always. And uh, emails Graham at Grimerica.com and Darren at Grimerica.com. Yep, and as always, hate mail goes to feedback at grimerica.ca. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Grimerica or on uh, Facebook, um, Grimerica. So uh, I think that's about it, guys. And uh, we hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll uh, see you guys next week. I ain't afraid of no ghosts.